What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 86. I hope you are doing well. As always, there is a ton going on, and I just want to take this moment to remind you to take care of yourself and do what you got to do for your well-being and mental health. In the last couple of weeks, there's been a particular subject that's been heavy in the news cycle and on our social media feeds, and that's the topic of gun violence. As some of you may know, a lot of the nonprofits mentioned on the podcast are chosen by the guest. This week's guest felt that a nonprofit surrounding the issue at hand needed to be done, and I couldn't agree more. This week's nonprofit organization featured in the Posse Spotlight is Every Town for Gun Safety Support Fund. Every day, more than 110 people in the United States are killed with guns. The Every Town for Gun Safety Support Fund is the education, research, and litigation arm of Every Town for Gun Safety, the largest gun violence prevention organization in the country. Every town builds awareness about the complexities of gun violence in America so that every person, policymakers, volunteers, cultural influencers, business leaders, and more can learn about the issues and become part of the solutions. To learn more or make a donation to Every Town for Gun Safety Support Fund, you can visit everytownsupportfund.org. This week's episode features my friend Danielle, but people that know her will know her as Chip. Chip is a producer for NHL podcast at The Athletic. Chip and I met during our day jobs at K-Rock, where she was part of the Kevin and Bean Morning Show for a number of years. We talked about a lot. We talked about The Offspring, her time at K-Rock, The Anaheim Ducks, Pup, how her experience at K-Rock has helped her in her current job, and more. This one was a blast. Here is my conversation with Chip on the Keep It Posy podcast. Recording in progress. Oh my god. Oh shit. <laughs> is that Chip? It is Chip. What's going on, dude? Not much. The last time I saw you was at Bad Religion, right? At the Palladium? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Damn. It's been... Dude, that was like five months ago. Wow. Holy shit. Dude, I know. It's like been... time. Like, like, I've lost any sense of what time is now. Like, it's insane. Like, we all lost two and a half years, and now, like, I can't keep track of anything, you know? <laughs> I have a friend who I'm going to quote, but throughout COVID, he's been like, time is a lie. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so I was thinking earlier today, I'm like, I'm not sure how I met you. Like, obviously, yes, K-Rock, yeah. but I don't remember the specific moment. I think it was at an event. Yeah, like, I think because you were, like, because with promo, like, I think we all just kind of were in a mishmash of seeing each other, like, here and there or whatever, but was it the Rob? I maybe, I don't know. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, maybe, but I feel like it was at an event. Right. Uh, because you're right. Cause you, your schedule at the time was pretty consistent, right? Like, yeah, you know, I was I'm not there sure what 5 a.m. 5 a.m. And then leave around like, depending on the day. Like I was usually gone by noon, noon or one. Okay. See, and with me, like when you're a street teamer, it's like, well, it changes. It, you're, it's right. never the same. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say it was at an event. Sure. Which yeah. event? I have zero clue, but let's go with that. Um, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> like I don't know. I doesn't sound like the right event. Um, but yeah, dude, man, that's that's crazy. I was just reflecting on like, um, that. Obviously, things have changed. You're. Now doing, you're working and podcasting, right? Right. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pod, uh, NHL podcast producer for the Athletic. Oh, dude, that is so cool. Because I know yeah. you're a fan of hockey, and I know mm -hmm. you play hockey, dude. I feel like you just have like a list of things that you're like a big fan of, and then um, I just do the things I'm a fan. Of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude. Like it's kind of like how my life is. Like I just was a fan <laughs> of things, and I just go, I'm gonna do that. People go, you're not gonna do that. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And then I just do everything. And people still question me. I'm like, why are you questioning me? I've done everything I want to do. Like, <laughs> you're not going to open for the offspring. Did it twice. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I remember if I'm, I don't know if I'm right. I just remember one time it was at, at a festival and the other time was at the observatory. Uh, yeah. So it was, yeah, the observatory for Halloween or like the day before Halloween. It was like a Halloween theme. And then. Uh, the second time was before, was like a month and a half later, like Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, the Del Mar racetrack had like a concert series, and the Offspring were, were booked, and then they're like, we want to we want to bring an opener because like they, those things usually don't have an openers, and the guys were like, the Del Mar was like, okay, yeah, sure, so they just like brought us along just because they could, so. Dude, that is so sick. So music obviously is a big part of you and your life and who you are. Right. Um, you've played in bands and you play bass, but is that the yeah. only instrument you play? No, actually, I, I grew up playing piano. I played saxophone for like from sixth grade through high, all the way through high school. I can play enough guitar and drums to embarrass myself. But yeah, bass is the main thing, but I could do a little bit of everything. All right, so saxophone, if anybody wants to start a ska band with Chip. I mean, done. <laughs> I've got free time, you know. <laughs> so, dude, I guess I'll start there. You know, you learned all these instruments, and you've had your career with K-Rock, but if you don't mind taking me back, how did you get into music? What, like, what was your introduction? And then how did you end up all the way to where you're at at this point in your career? Sure. Um, like for my earliest memories of um, music was, you know, obviously you, the first thing you, you are, you know, uh, exposed to is what your parents listen to. So it was always the music that was playing in the car, like especially on road trips and stuff like that. It was like Three Dogs Night and Queen and um, Rolling Stones. 
uh, and I remember I was eight years old and I got a RCA portable C uh, CD player for Christmas. And um, of course, the, the music I got with it was stuff my parents liked and thought was good for an eight-year-old. So it was like Queen's Greatest Hits, the Grease soundtrack, Top Guns. Like it was like it was a weird mix of old people stuff. But one of my older sisters, she had gone away to college, and in her room was a giant CD case of hundreds of CDs. And when she used to, because I, when I was a kid too, I did like stuff like dance and karate and stuff like that. And so she would drive me around too. But the, I remember the first CD that I heard on my own where I was like, oh shit, what is this? And it was smashed by the offspring. And I was eight years old. That was the first thing I heard where I'm like, I like that. Like that and Dookie. And uh, so with my CD player, like I would go into my sister's room and like sneak out cds like a lot of the offspring cds or metallica or green day like i would just kind of go in there and squirrel away back into my room like and just listen to these cds by myself that probably an eight-year-old should not listen to but parental supervision wasn't really a thing and uh yeah that's like that's how i kind of like learned about all these bands and then i started listening to k-rock and i was like that age too um so i kind of got exposed to all that stuff like from from eight years old on like um and that's that's where like the, my love of music and that's where my love of like bands like the offspring and green day came from was eight years old and that was like the first thing that first grabbed my attention like it's not just your parents going here i'm funneling what we like to you it was like that that was the first music where i'm like i'm picking this for myself and i like that um and then as far as playing music um you know, I think like a lot of kids, like you take piano lessons as a kid. Like, I think I started like in third grade, whatever. And I played that for oh, five or six years. And then in sixth grade is when you start like, oh, you go to school and like, oh, you could join band. And I actually originally, and like still to my heart, I could have been a drummer. Like I wanted to play drums, but my mom was like, hell no, you're not playing a snare drum in this house. So drums were a no-go from day one. So I picked saxophone, which obviously is not not close at all, but I thought Saxon was cool. Hey, at least the Simpsons coolish, whatever. Like, um, so I played sax uh, through sixth grade all the way through uh, through high school, and I graduated as band president. I don't know, people. That's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, I got all of the you know status and all this stuff from being band president because that's a cool kids thing. But uh, yeah, um, so that's like how my music started. Dude, that's sick. So you continued playing saxophone throughout, you know, all the way till high school. Mm -hmm. When did you pick up the bass? Bass I picked up in, uh, I picked it up a little bit in junior high. Um, and then I got my first bass freshman year of high school. Um, and that was when I joined my first, like junior high, we kind of had a band and we just played, like played covers horribly. Cause you know, that's what you do in your junior high. You play in someone's garage and you play you know, dump weed by Blink-182 and stuff like that. But in my freshman year of high school, I got my first bass and um, they bought me like a flea songbook of all Chili Peppers bass lines. And the one of the guys in the band, they were making a ska band. My first band was a ska band, by the way. Um, and he said, hey, if you can learn 
the bass line for Under the Bridge, you could be the bass player in the band. And within a couple of weeks, I had the bass, like, I learned it and I played a ska band for three or four years <laughs> in Cyprus. Yeah. So that was my first band was, was uh, my first proper band, like playing shows and stuff was, I 100% was in a ska band because that's what band kids do. <laughs> Dude, that's sick. So you've, have you always lived in, or you grew up in Orange County? Yeah, I grew up in Westminster. Oh, like okay. off the, like right on the border of um, like Westminster, Huntington, where it's like essentially the same, it's the same city. But uh, yeah, grew, I, I lived in Orange County most of my life. I live in LA now. I live in, I just moved to San Pedro. But um, yeah, most of my life I grew up in Westminster. Then I, you know, moved around a lot. I ended up in Cyprus for high school. Uh, and yeah. Sick, dude. Why? Well, I didn't know you moved um, out to LA. Cool beans, man. Um, yeah, South Bay. I'm, yeah, South Bay kid now. Yeah, not dude. Really, well, not really a kid, I guess. But uh, South you're Bay. a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, well, if you're going to bars and they still ask for your ID. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, they still oh. do. <laughs> so, you you're you grew up in Orange County, and then a lot of people, one way or another, they end up working in the industry whether they landed an internship or something right right how did you end up at k-rock oh okay so um for my after i graduated high school i went to cal state dominguez hills for my major because they were at, i don't even know if it's different now but at the time they were the only cal state that had a recording program in all of california like long beach might have one now but at the time dominguez hills and carson was the only one um and uh i was going to school there and for my senior you know senior year i needed an internship and i applied to two i applied to nbc universal to uh intern there and the other one was hey maybe i'll intern for kevin and bean and i had you know again i had friends going you're not gonna get it or don't do it or you know something like that and uh yeah, so I interned with Kevin and Bean for three semesters, even though you're, you're always supposed to do it once, but they just kept me. And they kept me past me graduating. So like, yeah, we like her having her around. And then finally, like, the company was like, she graduated like six months ago. You should probably, she has to go. Like, you need an actual intern. And then I went back to, at the time, I was working at Disney. And I was, you know, that's where Chip comes from. I was a Chip, I was Chip and Dale and all these other characters at Disneyland. And so I went back to doing that full time. And then one day um, their phone screener had left because she was going back to, I think she was getting a lot of her like law degree. And so I got a call eight months later going, hey, you want to come back and be the phone op? Like, and have a job here. I'm like, yeah, sure. So then I, I went back and uh, I, for a couple, for a little, little while I did double, du double duty. I did morning show phones. And then I'd stuck around a few hours later to just be the, the general K-Rock phone op too and like write blogs and stuff like that um but then yeah eventually i just became kevin and bean only and then went from phone op to running the board in the studio and then i did that uh for five years until i left yeah wow dude um <laughs> yeah hey she graduated already you need a like yeah <laughs> yeah i was there it was only supposed to be a one semester <laughs> thing i was there for almost a year <laughs> But um, 
I think when someone does it longer than they were, they said they were going to do it. I mean, again, the company policy, I guess that's a leaving that out of the equation, but it kind of shows like, I like this. I hope I get a job here or something. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so you get this job, they call you back and you're like, all right. Yeah. Like I'm down. Did you quit Disney right away? No, no, I, 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 we had an agreement in place for a while where I would go into K-Rock, you know, in the mornings and then, uh, they would give me a few like closing shifts, like, cause I was also, I did, I did character work for a long time, but then I got moved up to supervisor. So I'd walk around and make sure, you know, everything was cool, whatever, um, you know, take guest concerns and all that fun stuff. So what I would do is I'd go, go to K-Rock maybe come home and like take a quick nap sometimes not most times not but then i would go work um the noon the sorry the north pm shift which was like you were in charge of toontown and like you would close down mickey's house before the fire all, all that stuff like you would make sure everything's closed down before fireworks and then you'd be out by like 10 p.m or whatever um but then uh they they took back their agreement and like i would open up the schedule book and it's like Oh, hey, Chip, you're supposed to be at Disney at 630 in the morning on a Wednesday. I'm like, that wasn't our agreement. Like, you guys know I'm where I'm at. Like, I'm not going to be. So eventually I just quit because I'm like, you guys aren't. The schedule was working anymore. I'm like, okay, so I'll just, I just, then I just did K-Rock by itself or, um, well, not by, yeah. But I, then I, then I quit, I quit Disney and then just did K-Rock. I bet it was stressful at times. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I, I know, dude. And then with with traffic, because LA and Orange County just don't yeah. even. I mean, yeah. like, luckily for me, like for most of my time at K Rock, getting to work was easy because I was driving at four a.m. And that's like I got up at three thirty a.m. Monday through Friday for ten years. Yep. <laughs> like, um, so. Now, like, sometimes I have to get up work. I don't have to get up for work quite as early now, ever. But sometimes I have to just because a lot of shows I do are East Coast-based. But I tell them, they're like, hey, is it okay if we, can we do a show at, like, 7 your time? And I'm like, anytime I'm not getting up at 3.30, it's gravy. <laughs> like, get up at 6.30 or 7, that's fine. <laughs> like, that's not bugging me at all. How many shows do you think you may have missed out on because they were on weeknights? Oh, man. Okay, well, here's the early on, probably way more than I did, like, in the last five years of K-Rock because I used to be so concerned about getting enough, like, getting enough sleep and stuff. And sometimes, like, my first board op shift was there used to be a show from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. on Monday mornings called passport it was something where like it was pre-recorded live shows like jimmy world or whatever um and when i started to learn the board gene was like hey we need someone to do the shift can you do it it's gonna be temporary don't worry and i said ah, 3 30 like or, you know 3 a.m okay and then i ended up doing it for like two years but like, at those times yeah i'd be in bed at seven or eight like i go i need to sleep i need to sleep um but i got to a point where I would like eight hours of sleep, but if I could at least like lay down for a couple hours, then I started going to shows more and more. 
the the big detractor is mostly just driving. Like if it was like a Palladium show on a Tuesday, I was kind of like, well, can I crash in someone's house close to K Rock so I don't have to drive all the way home and then drive all the way back the next morning? That was a big. That was usually the big uh, decision maker. If I can crash somewhere and not have to drive home and save the time and the gas, then I definitely started going to more shows. You know. <laughs> Dang, dude. What's a show you went to on a weeknight that you barely got sleep that you're like, dude, I don't care. It was worth it. Oh, I think. Um, wow. Like at the top, at the top of my head, like, that's like, huh. I mean, I've got to imagine Nine Snails at the Troubadour had to have been on a weekday, right? It had to have been. Like a show like that, or like when we're you two at the Roxy, like those shows where you're like, oh yeah, tomorrow's going to suck, but it's totally worth it. But yeah, like the shows like that, like for sure, those were, those were the no brainers. Dude, that is sick. I do remember the U2 show at the Roxy being um, like on a Thursday or something. Yeah. Um, like I had the poster somewhere, but it's not hanging up. Otherwise, I'd reference it to see what day it was. But, <laughs> dude, when was Nine Inch Nails? That must have been awesome. Um, Nine Inch Nails was 20, 2015. I was already there. I don't remember. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, hold Maybe. on. Let me. I'm gonna Google <laughs> this now because now we have to know. <laughs> dude, that is so cool. Dang, uh, Nine Inch Nails. So. I don't know about you, maybe. I, I mean, I'm sure, but I'll ask anyway. Because I feel like, dude, there's some bands that had I not been working at K-Rock, I would have never seen them, right? Right. Like, I, some bands, like, I'm just thinking I would have never seen them or, wow, I can't believe I just saw this band play in, in such a small, intimate setting. Obviously, I'm sure you have a list of those bands. Is there a specific, or can you talk about a specific one where you're just like, dude, I don't care about anything else right now except for this moment? Man. Um, okay, so those two shows that I mentioned earlier, obviously. Um, I want to say Foo Fighters at the Sound Space. It's another one. Um, another favorite of mine was when Offspring played Alex's Bar. Right before Weenie Roast, and I think that was also 2013. 2013 was a good year for small shows. Um, it was the 20th anniversary of Ignition, and it was right before the Weenie Roast they played. It was Weenie Roast 20, where Soundgarden was the the guest or the secret guest. Um, yeah, it was that same weekend. So like I think they played Alex's Bar on the Thursday or the Friday, and then Weenie Roast was Saturday. Um, those those were for sure top. Um, trying to think of like, like it just like cool like, just different situations that we've have that we've seen bands in that you I guess that you normally wouldn't um, like all of those for sure. But that's like and I'm like that's I'm sure that's something you think about too. People ask you like, what's your favorite shows and stuff? And you're like, I've seen. There's just been a blur of just like like not even like a to brag or anything. It's just like. There's just there was just so, like so much going on even on like on a daily basis at that place where like 
I bet you if I sat down like after we get off and I made a list of all the bands or like or even like look through a list of bands and going, oh yeah, there was that show. Oh yeah, there was that show. Oh shit, that show. Like there's so many where you're like, man, like like how do you even pick, you know? Yeah, dude. And um I think that's one thing where I like it when I mean right now it's kind of hard and I understand, you know, that tickets being scanned at the entrance at venues are on your phone, right? So we don't have the the hard ticket or even like yeah. the paper ticket. So I'm sure that I wouldn't be the only one. I will go and be a nerd about it and screenshot those tickets and print them out just so I could have them stored in my box with the other tickets. Yeah, I still have a (laughs) shoebox full of concert tickets. And, like, I just just moved to, like, I had, like, concert tickets, like, stuck in just, like, random places. I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's Queens of Stone Age from the last... They're they're one of the last bands to play the Gibson before it got demolished. I'm like, oh, I guess I should keep this. This is a good thing. Or, like, yeah, like, I, I still find tickets all over the place. I'm like, what is this? the vandals from 2011 i'm like what is this (laughs) yeah dude no it's crazy you know since you mentioned weenie roast a few minutes ago if you remember (laughs) what was your first weenie roast and your first almost acoustic christmas that you worked and if you know inland invasion happened yeah I was oh. post, I know I was, I was post Inland Invasion or like oh. the last one happened as I was coming in. So I never got to experience Inland Invasion. I still kick myself, by the way, that I did not get to go to Inland Invasion 2, which was that venue, that bill that was all punk bands, um, like Sex Pistols and The Offspring and X and Social D. And like, I was, I was in high school at that point, but not quite. I think I was maybe a freshman or sophomore, so I'm not quite old enough to be able to go off on my own to a show like that. Right. Um, and I have I was, a shirt. I do have a promo uh, shirt for that lineup too. Yeah, I got. Like, I got. I got to look through my promo shirts for that, but I do have it. If I yeah. if I pull it out in time for this uh, episode, I'll take a picture of it and post it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so we Weenie. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the first Weenie roast I worked. I wonder, it may have been, because I started at K-Rock, like, like, uh, forget the intern stuff. I became a, I actually started working at K-Rock, like, August of 2010. So my first one is actually the next year, obviously, and that was the Foo Fighters secret guest at Weenie Roast. And by the way, recipes Taylor Hawkins. Um, but that show was crazy because, like, you know, no one, like, no one tells anyone who the secret band is, but you kind of find out. And we had seen, like, Foo Fighters gear in the back. And we, me and Kevin, had saw, we saw Dave Grohl in the uh, gifting suite backstage. Um, and I just remember, like, I think the, that was, like, one of the coolest things about working at K Rock and going to those events was one, I loved being able to just walk around venues and, just to go where I wanted. Like, I know I was never like in the way or anything like that, but just the ability to just walk anywhere. I thought that was always fun. But number two was knowing who the secret guest was and then getting to see everyone's reactions and anticipating what the reaction was. Like, I just remember 
uh, being in the crowd before the Foo Fighters came on and the stage slowly turning and then just hearing chun, 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 and as the stage turns and like as people were seeing as the Foo Fighters were, like were revealed to people like just seeing the the wave of people just like freaking out um that part was on my favorite like when Blink-182 was a secret guest that could be like you know four or five years ago oh was it longer than that oh god it was longer than that but that when he roast um like seeing the crowd reaction was always my favorite part yeah dude um and if it's i'm pretty sure it's the same one but i think i saw um k-rock post that video too after taylor um passed away but oh man that was weenie rose that was okay, the first yeah. one so now i'm trying um, to think so i had to be so my first working acoustic had to be that year that year and i don't remember i think bad religion social d especially pumpkins were on the bill mike ness played a prank did you hear the story about mike ness playing a prank on lisa it sounds familiar but i let's say i don't okay so uh mike ness was close friends with aisa too who was you know had a promotion at the time and he got a hold of Aisa's radio and was crank calling on the radio and lisa got upset and uh Aisa went oh, hi guys that's that was mike ness he says hi <laughs> But he was just starting crap on the radios. It was like the funniest thing. Dude, um, good times, man. You know, I'm glad that those radios, we were able to hop on different channels if needed. Right. Uh, because, I mean, not that I needed to like, you know, get a hold of anyone or, or, you know, whatever. Or not that I wanted to know what else was going on, like in the production channel or but you talk about how you were doing, you were working, you know, almost acoustic Christmas and some people have the idea that it's all just partying and you're hanging out with the bands and, you know, whatever is going down or they think is going down. But in your role at the time and what you did at K-Rock, can you talk about the kind of stuff that you would do at those events? um yeah sure so like in the beginning i was just kind of like a runner like like those first couple of years like when kevin and Bean were doing the broadcasts from the state you know from the broadcast stage i kind of stand there i stood there with the radio and like i would just hear calls of hey the band the band's on the way and i would just tell you know dave or whoever like hey the band's on the way and then it moved up to um a lot of it i was running the the broadcast from the studio like it was me and somebody else and like you know you're you're uh you're playing you know the music from the library and then you're also playing you know jock interviews with bands into the commercials into all that stuff so i did that i did that for a big chunk of my time there and then um eventually i got moved to doing production on site which is like i'd take those interviews because those jock interviews are actually more like five to 10 minutes. And my job was to take it and just cut it down to a bite size, like 45 second to a minute and a half chunk that would play on the radio. Um, so that was what I was doing. Lat, like that was the last thing I was doing before, before I 
before I left. And, and cutting down those interviews, how would you decide what, how to cut like what, what out and, and then for it to air? How did that, how does that work? Um, it takes like, it took practice. I used to be real bad at it because no one really taught me how to do it. They're like, oh yeah, do it. You're doing this now. And I'm like, uh, okay. Um, but the, the easiest parts were you already knew, okay, I need the beginning part where the band says hi. Okay. Use that. And then, okay, I need the part where the jock and the band say bye. Okay, got that. And then you just have to just, like, listen as you go through and just go, okay, what's the most interesting, you know, chunk of this? Like, you just have to just, and sometimes it's not even, like, the, you just have to, like, make a choice. And you're like, okay, I'm going to pick one question or one, like, and usually it's something like, oh, if they mentioned they grew up listening to the station. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what you use. Or, you know, a particularly interesting or funny answer you just said you, you only have time a couple minutes to pick okay you listen through and you go i have to pick one of these and then you just kind of just pick one cut that out and then paste the the beginning and end to it got it yeah dude that must um i mean i'm sure at the end you were like oh dude i got this but yeah. When you're first starting, you're like, dude, I need to pick something out. And I only have right. like a couple minutes to figure it out. Yeah. Or like if you have an interview where like if a band like was kind of all over the place and like was kind of like wouldn't really answer a question, but then like went off on tangents and you're like, I don't even know what to pick because they didn't even focus on like those were the tough ones. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, it's awesome though, but like I said, a lot of like some people just think it's like the band, the lighting people, and mm -hmm. you know, rock and roll, let's do this. But it's like, no, dude, there's a lot that yeah. goes on. And I'm sure, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it happens to me. Like, I'm still learning something every day as to, you know, what someone in the industry does because it's like there's so many moving parts. Right. So, how would you say that your experience there has helped you in your current uh, job? Um, I think, like, the fact that working, like, on the morning show and, like, doing all that stuff, like, it was all very fast-paced and live. So, like, you had to make split decisions, and whatever decision you made, you had to stick with it. Like, that was one thing. And that's one of the things where, like, I, I found out I was really good at was just nothing nothing flustered me like the state like we literally had the station like go down a couple times like when I was running things and like I never freaked out I never I always had a plan like for and that was one thing like you just I just got really good at not letting anything trip me up um and so now like because I, I I produce podcasts now and none of that is live there's very little like we do some like live stream shows and stuff like that so i'm not saying none of it is live but now that the fact that it's in a controlled environment it's so much easier for me because i'm like oh yeah i can do this like there's no like that, that like that there's none of that split second you know uh uh decision making i have to do anymore like um so that translates now where i'm like oh i can handle anything like easy <laughs> <laughs> if I don't know something, I can figure it out because I have time, you know? Yeah, dude. Um, that I bet that, like, especially because 
you worked the morning show. So it was always kind of like, I mean, I, I don't know. I just felt like, man, like I always felt that a morning show always had the most pressure out of the lineup for the day because it's like, I mean, you had your, your stuff planned out perhaps, you know, and you know how it goes all this week, you know, we're giving away four day passes or not four day passes, you know, yeah. four pack of tickets to Disneyland. You know, there's a promo that you guys are running every hour or whatever. And then bam, breaking news. Like, unfortunately something happened. And like, I remember it happened with Chester. Right. When, when, you know, we got the news about him and like, literally like everything just like, all right, guys, like this is what's going to go on. And I just, um, unfortunately it like, fortunately it doesn't happen a lot. Like in mu radio, like in music, like it does, like, I don't know when NBC has breaking news about something, but right. Like, it's, a uh, new, like a new station or something. It's, there's always something happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah, dude. Um, when I was working at KLOS and I had to get um, the liners ready for the morning show, especially mm -hmm. if it was like, I don't know, the Rolling Stones are coming to the Rose Bowl and I'm oh my God, I got to make sure this is all right. The last thing you want to hear, well, from my point of view, the morning show producer hits you up that morning and say, hey, like this is missing. So I I'm sure from time to time there were those hiccups, but oh yeah, yeah. Or like you like, would go like, "Hey, we have a, you know, we're at the we're world premiere a song, but the song isn't in the system." Like, "Hey, need the song, guys!" Like, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Like, well, I guess I'll, I'll ask about that because you know, for example, like K Rock was, um, and I'm sure other stations do it. Of course, I know KLOS didn't. I mean. Kellos is a different monster, but sure. You're about to announce Weenie Roast, and you know you got there's there was always a promo cut out for the announcement, right? Right, and, and it would get announced during the morning show. Were there ever hiccups there? Like, was there ever paranoia that like, hey, like we're all good with this, right? And that Kevin and Bean had everything they needed for for their part. Yeah. Um. As far as like th like those shows were always handled, and it was funny too because like I was always the first one there in the morning, and the envelope was always taped to the door. So I was always the first. I, I was the first one for like ten years, like for the morning show at least. Like I was the first one who got to see the lineups every every you know every year. Um. But yeah. So like, and that, we also had like a lot of like backup plans and like or just ways to make sure everything was was fine like you know i would look at the the lineups and like in commercial we could we could queue up the promo and listen to it before it airs you can check it omar had checked it like three or four times like so like like those like as far as weenie roasted acoustic like those were always pretty on point like if, if there was a i don't remember any i don't even think there ever was a screw up as far as like a wrong announcement or anything like that like cause we we had those down pretty pretty packed and like it was always like here is exactly the lineup here is what you have here is the promo like 
we had those kind of down to a T, I would say. Yeah, I mean, again, like when you had people like Kevin um, Weatherly and Lisa and Aisa and Adrian, they're just all like, everyone, yeah, ready, like, right? Because yeah, if you're if you're <laughs> you're working for K Rod, like you know, that's <laughs> the station. You're like, okay, well, we had to get our announcements right, you know, that kind of thing. So it's their babies. You're not there anymore, and you're doing. Your current role, your producer now, for you said the NHL. Yeah, I, I produce NHL shows uh, for the Athletic, so it's I, I take care of their NHL. I'm part of the people who take care of their NHL podcasts. Well, let's talk about hockey, right? Because okay. before, because before you you when you were at K Rock, um, you know, you started a podcast about hockey, right? So how is it that you decided to do your podcast? Okay, so actually, that was, um, it was actually, do you, do you remember Larry Morgan, who works at K-Earth? Oh, yes. Yeah. He's actually, it was actually his idea. Um, I think at the time, like, K-Rock decided they wanted to, like, dip their, like, or the company wanted to dip their toes into podcasting, get their talent doing podcasting, stuff like that. Um, and Larry, like, because I, I would always talk hockey with, with uh, him a little bit, because he's not a huge hockey guy, but I would just, I don't care, I just rant about hockey to anybody, really. If you give me a minute, um, him and Ebbett, uh, we just would talk. And he's like, you know, you just, you don't shut up about, you don't shut up about hockey. You should maybe try doing a podcast because, you know, doing the morning show was fun and all, but also like as a employee or like creatively, there wasn't a lot of space for me to do things. Like it was do your job and we don't need anything else. Just do your job. But, you know, I wanted to show I could do more than, just push buttons and stuff like that. So Larry is like, why don't you just try a podcast? Try doing a podcast. Um, so yeah, so I did that podcast for the last two years I was there. And it actually was what helped me get the job at The Athletic. Because uh, when I started looking for the jobs, I realized like, you know, hey, it's, it's time for me to have a job where I can, you know, afford to live type of thing. You know, radio, how radio is. So I was looking for jobs and The Athletic had just started putting together their podcast division. Like that was a brand new thing. Before that, there were just, you know, like journalism, just stories and, you know, written the written word, but they were dipping their toe into pod podcasting. So, and they pulled my, my resume and stuff because I had mentioned, oh yeah, here's all my stuff I did at K-Rock, but I also do a hockey podcast. So they're like, oh, well, she knows the technical stuff. And she knows how to how podcast works, so that's how I got the job. Was like, I'm sure the the K Rock stuff helped elevate. Of oh yeah, like here's where she worked. Hey, cool. But the knowledge I had of actually doing a podcast and making my own podcast, I think that's what what put me over the top into getting the job. But the funny thing was, I didn't land in NHL first. They put me in NFL. I was doing football podcasts first. So like, because they asked me all about oh hockey, hockey, like hockey. But obviously NFL is a bigger thing. So when they hired me, like, you're hired in NFL. And I was like, you're going to pay me. Okay, red. Like, let's do it. So I did, I just did, I did football for a year and a half, two years. And then I, I did some hockey and then now I'm just full-time hockey, which I'm okay with. Dude, that is so sick. Did it? Because I know you're obviously like the Ducks, right? Like 
Yeah. That's your team. And now it's starting to come back to me. We okay. would obviously do ticket giveaways for the Ducks. I'm sure they still do them. I think. I mean, maybe. I don't I'm even know. Just, maybe not with K. I don't even know what radio station they do anymore. Because for a while it was like K Rock, then it was KLOS, yeah. then it was uh, what's that country station? Go Country. Like I think. Oh they kind yeah. Of, yeah. So they probably depend on you know who could do what for them. Um, was there ever um a connection there with like? Because didn't you get a chance to talk to someone, like interview someone on air from the hockey team? Or am I just imagining things? Um, no, you're, you're, you're not far off. So um, through over the years, um, the Ducks used to have their captain, Ryan Getzloff, on to, you know, usually was like either at the beginning of the season to pump up the season or uh, playoff time when the Ducks were like get ready for the playoffs. Uh, he'd come on like once or twice a year for a long time. Um, and this is like one of my favorite things about Ryan Getzloff and just that whole time period was obviously Kevin, huge Kings fan, Allie, huge Kings fan, K-Rock, LA, huge Kings. It's Kings country. Uh, but for me being a Ducks fan, it became a, a an easy way just to be a fun, like, like, you know, annoying, like poke you with the stick. Like, I got to be the annoying Ducks fan because, like, at the time, too, like, obviously the Kings won a couple cups in 2012 and 2014, but the, the Ducks for a long time were, like, the better Southern California team. Or, you know, they both had Wayneo up and down years. Uh, but at that time, the Ducks were, like, really, really good. And, obviously, Kevin, Kings all the way, all that stuff, hated the Ducks. However... Whenever Ryan Getzloff would get pitched, they never could say no because Ryan Getzloff was so good on the air all the time. Funny, you know, always like his appearances were always great because he always, like, he always felt like in his, he always had, had like a good like chirp or a comeback just holstered, ready to go because he knew Kings Country, K Rock is Kings fans. The Ducks knew that, knew that, but they also knew I was in the studio standing there as the Ducks fan. So it was kind of like a, a fun way to jab at Kevin and Allie, but then have fun with me. Like there'd be times where like there was one year where the Ducks went to the playoffs and the Kings didn't. And they, we were just coming back to start a new season. And uh, Kevin made a comment like, oh, man, this offseason felt so long because the Kings didn't make the playoffs. And like all, all gets off said was, well, we had fun, right, Chip? Like, because the Ducks had, like, a pretty deep run uh, that year. Like, little things like that. There was always something, like, he would have, like, something ready to go. So, that was always, it was always fun when he was pitched because, you know, Dave or whoever it was would go, hey, like, the Ducks call, you know, the Ducks are pitching or offering Getzloff next week. Do you want him on? And Kevin would always go, damn it. He's always good. Yes, of course. <laughs> like there was always like that thing where like, he hated saying yes, but he could not say yes. He couldn't. He couldn't not say yes because he was always good on air. Dude, that's funny. Did he ever go into the studio? He didn't. No. Oh. Um, I think because I think for the Ducks, like because it was a morning show, and like at the time, like uh, if the if the Ducks were going to be up early, they're either at morning skate when they you know they're based in Irvine in Anaheim 
So it wouldn't make sense for them to come all the way up. Like we had a couple of Kings players come in, like Drew Doughty came in um, and Luke used to come in all the time. Um, but I don't think we've ever had any ducks in the studio, unfortunately. We should have, but it just didn't work out because it's just so far. Dude, that is so cool. I just remember like I would email you um, for like the sales pitch. Hey, do you want to voice the spot? <laughs> yeah. This is the only <laughs> spots I got to do is with duck spots. Oh man. Well, you know, I'm glad it ended up happening for something you liked. Um, right. That is so cool. Yeah, dude. I'm like, wait a second. I got to ask about this. Cause obviously you have your love for hockey and like the ducks, they're your team. So I got to ask going back to like the early part of your life with music. What was the first concert you ever went to? My first concert. And it shouldn't be a surprise. It was the offspring. Uh, I think I was in seventh grade. It was Millencolin, TSOL, and the offspring at, at the time, the Universal Amphitheater. That was my first show. And also, like a month later, was Weird Al at the OC Fair. So those are neck and neck. My first two shows was the offspring and Weird Al. <laughs> Dude, that is sick. How old were you? Uh, I think I was seventh grade. So I had to be 13, 14. Oh, sick. Does the band know that, that, that they were your first concert? I think so. I think I've told them. Oh, okay. they're probably they're like, oh, they're making, like, they probably yell at me for making, they can, making them feel old. But um, I used to do that with Kevin and Bean too. Like, they would tell stories and like, I'd remind them, oh, yeah, I was eight when that happened. And they'd say, shut up, Chip. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dude, good times, man. That's awesome. So, obviously, you've had had quite a career. You've done work at Disney, and you've been at K-Rock, and now you're doing uh, stuff at The Athletic. Throughout your career, what would you say has been the best advice that's been given to you? Um, I think the best advice I ever got was in college. Um, my professor advice just like it didn't matter what job you did or what your role was but if you can be on time and be reliable that'll get you anywhere and that's like what I, like that's how i kind of moved up was i was always around people can always count on me um but one lesson i learned myself on that way was yes those two things are very important but also know your worth and stick up for yourself like all those can hang in hand like yes be reliable for everybody do your job be on time but at the same time like know what you're worth you know yeah that last point i feel like a lot of people were reminded about that a lot in the last couple of years right um yeah, dude, no, for sure. I get that 100%. Yeah, because really, like, and sorry, and I'll, I'll say, that, like, too, like, cause as long as you do those two first two things, people are willing to teach you what you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you show up and you're willing to, to learn and people know they can rely on you, like, people are willing to teach you stuff even if you don't know it, you know? What's your favorite thing about music? Man, um, 
live shows. And I didn't really like, you know, I, I'm obviously we all missed it over the last like two years, whatever. But um, gosh, yeah, especially like I went and saw Pup a couple weeks ago at the Fonda. Just man, like there's nothing like live shows. There's nothing better. Playing live shows, being in a crowd of live shows, like that's like obviously like that's the best. Um, that's my favorite part about music is is live shows. Pup is awesome. So good. And they should be bigger. Like it's been fun watching them grow. Um, because I think I got on I got into them early. So their first record was 2014, and I saw them open for the Men Singers at the Roxy. And that was their first show in California. That can, if you don't know who Pup is, Toronto pop band, uh, punk band, they rule. So I saw Did that. Did Katana play that show? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they played that show. And then the next time I saw them was, and I don't know if this venue is around anymore. It may be the Moroccan Lounge. They're the first band to play the Moroccan Lounge in 2017. And that's like, it's bigger than the Roxy, but not much bigger. But it was like a step up. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, they came back and they headlined and sold out the Fonda, which is awesome. I mean, Pup should still be bigger. Like, I mean, they should be bigger than they are. And they already are big. But, like, they should be a band on the radio. Especially this past album. There's a bunch of, like, radio-friendly songs on that. Like, easily. I mean, I, I, I was beating down the door for Reservoir to be added, you know, in 2014. Like, that was a little rough to be playing on, a, I guess, a radio station. But um, they're, they should be on the radio easily. Chip, let's go start a radio station. Done. <laughs> I got the call. I got the call letters ready, even though we're on the West Coast and it doesn't okay. start with the K. All right, we'll go against the grade. Oh, fine. Actually, I think it'll work. KPSI. You know why PSI? Why? Posse. Done. <laughs> All right. How do we start one now? I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> let's Google it. Um, <laughs> Dude, that no, dude, but yeah, you're right. That band um should be bigger. Live shows are obviously a thing that we've just did not have for a couple years, obviously because of the thing. When was the first time that you were at a show and you're just like, dude, this is the coolest thing ever. I want to keep going to these things. Man, I feel like that was high school because high school I used to go to. A bunch of sh- I used to go to shows all the time, like Chain Reaction. Um, seeing the matches at Chain was some of my favorite shows. Um, seeing the Vandals, like there was a, a chunk of time where the Vandals were playing in Orange County and like in Southern California. They, they used to play like five or six times a year. So I've easily seen the Vandals 50 times. Like now they only do like maybe once or twice a year, if that. But yeah, like just like. I used, to, I used to be, I was an idiot kid too, because I'm 5'2, I'm tiny. I speed the pit and like, like full on moshing. I'm surprised I didn't break a bone or like break anything, my glasses, anything like that. Um, but yeah, just like the energy and just, just being in the, being in the pit, just getting pushed around. Um, and like that energy, I think that's what drew me to, drew me to shows. Do you remember your your first mosh pit? Okay, so it had to be something like that. Like it was, pro- I think, 
it had to be like a chain show, maybe like a matches or something like that. I remember, and I was wearing glasses, which is super smart. Um, and I remember, I remember I got hit and my glasses went flying. And I'm very nearsighted. Like, ext- like if I took my, my, I have contacts on right now, but if I took my contacts out, I would not be able to read past three inches of my face. Like, I am blind. Um, but I remember losing my glasses and they went flying and then the pit stopped to look for my glasses. They found them and they're like, oh, here you go. But they were crushed flat. Like, you know, the, the arms of my glasses were completely smushed. Like, it was like a pancake. <laughs> the lenses were fine. They weren't scratched or cracked. So, like, I, I kind of had to, like, bend them and just, like, kind of just, like... <laughs> but I got my glasses back. And I think that was either The Matches or Anti-Flag. One of those bands at, at Chain. Dude, that's so crazy, man. Wow. Um, yeah, Mosh Pit at Chain. Surprisingly, I've never been in one at Chain. Oh, really? No, my first Mosh Pit was Rise Against, though. Ooh, yeah, at, good choice. At Warped Tour. Nice. And I think one of my early pits, too, was the Boss Tones at, uh, the, at the old house of Blues Anaheim. I remember that one pretty vividly, too, because also a woman was wearing stilettos in the pit, and we all got stabbed because she was wearing stilettos and kicking her feet around. <laughs> We're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Not good, dude. How do you keep it posy? Um, it's a good question. Um, like for me now, like it's easier for me to like not easier to keep posy, but knowing that I've worked so hard, uh, and I'm finally at a place where I only need one job. I'm not working two or three jobs just to barely scrape by. Um, not having that. Okay, getting past that point where I'm not so, you know, like, I think all of us have been there, like, but, like, working in radio, stuff like that, like, when you're struggling every, like, you know, do I pay for gas? Do I pay for groceries? Like, that type of, like, daily um, anxiety. Um, for now, I'm just enjoying the fact that, like, I, you know, I'm healthy. My bills are paid. I can go to shows because I want to anytime. Um, just having that kind of freedom now to like live your life, like just live my life. And that's kind of been, I play hockey like once a week, at least sometimes more. Um, I get pucks to the face and sometimes I play goalie and somehow that makes me happy. Um, yeah. Just kind of just being able to appreciate like all, you know, and appreciating all the cool things I did in the last decade, like with playing shows going to shows, you know, like meeting bands and stuff like that. Like, you know, as, as far as like, we, we've talked, we talked about like the financial stuff, which is, which sucks, but there were so many cool things I got to do at the same time. So like you take the lessons, but you also get the cool experiences and stuff like that. And like, you know, you're just being happy with, I'm just happy with everything, all of it, you know, like lessons and all that stuff. Like you, you take all of it because that's what makes you that's what that's what makes your life you know it sounds kind of corny but um i wouldn't be where i am now if i didn't take this path so i'm kind of just enjoying it chip 
Any last yes. words for the people? <laughs> Go listen to Pup. <laughs> yes. And there you have it. So that was my conversation with Chip. It was awesome learning about her journey and how she ended up working at K-Rock and then at The Athletic. Some of the things she talked about may serve as reminders for the rest of us. Thank you, Chip, for being a guest on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist. It's available on Spotify and Tidal. As always, you can hit me up via email or social media keepitposy.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up. <laughs>